0: welcome. Uh, thanks for uh, being here this morning. I'm going to try and uh, uh, cover a few things for you. I want to talk about uh, a missionary lifestyle, uh, talk about a little bit about uh, financial preparation, uh, heading for the mission field, and then uh, finally discuss some options. Uh, but uh, just as a means of introduction, uh, my name is Rick Allen and I am CEO of MedSend. And uh, uh, back in the uh, the late 80s. There were a number of. Yes, I'm going to wear this one as well. Oh wow, well, they got y'all done up here. Okay. So uh, back in the uh, the late 80s, a number of uh, mission hospitals and clinics were closing, and uh, an individual named Dr. Dan Fountain went uh, and took it upon himself to try and understand why this was happening. And what was discovered uh, was the fact that. The World War II generation was heading home from the mission field and no one was coming to replace them. And the reason was educational debt that so many young healthcare professionals had educational debt that um, uh, they were trying to pay off before they went on to the mission field. So medicine was created to remove educational debt as an obstacle for going on to the mission field. So effectively what we do is an individual uh, applies to a mission sending agency and just about everybody here is a partner of MedSend. And uh, once you decide who you're going with, then you apply to MedSend uh, and we review your application, uh, most of the times approve it, and then uh, uh, provide you a grant that pays makes your monthly uh, educational loan payments as long as you stay out on the mission field. So that's the uh, uh, the plan, and uh, it has been working now for 22 years. We've given away about $16 million uh, to almost 500 individuals. We're paying on about 165 loans right now. So uh, the Lord has just really blessed the program, and I hope maybe someday it'll bless it'll bless you as well. But um, what? To, raise your hand if you uh, absolutely feel called by God to go onto the mission field. Oh, well, that's a lot. And how many are exploring? You know, just kind of, well, let's see what God has. All right, great. Excellent. Outstanding. So, um, now, raise your hand if, when you finish, if you still, still are in your education, uh, or if you've finished up, if you have debt, educational debt. Okay. So, it's a good, it's a good percentage of you. So, um, it doesn't matter where you are in uh, this process of um, uh, considering um, going on to the mission field, uh, what I would like to propose is that you are in the middle of boot camp right now. Has anybody served in the military? What was boot camp like? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I paused before I said that. <laughs> That's right. Keep it clean. <laughs> Who else? Who else has been in the military and and been through boot camp? What was that experience like? Intensive training for our days and days. Yep. So here's what what I would like to have you consider. The fact that you are considering going on to the mission field, that this is your time of preparation. This is your uh, missionary boot camp. Uh, the time before you go onto the mission field. And like any good soldier, we're preparing ourselves for the battle of our Lord, right? We're preparing to go into battle uh, throughout the world, wherever you're called. It could be here domestically in the United States, and it could be someplace else internationally. But this is your time of boot camp. It's your time to prepare yourself to go. And, uh, what I'd like to do is I would like you to just kind of turn to a partner, maybe three or four of you. This room isn't that conducive for doing this, but if you could just turn to one another and what are the characteristics of a missionary lifestyle? What does that mean to you? Right? Just kind of jot down what you think those characteristics are. If I could get uh, a couple of people just to, uh, just to call out what, what are the, what are the attributes what are the attributes of a missionary lifestyle? What does it look like? Just anyone call out. Flexibility. Flexibility. That's a great one. Living what a, simply. Living simply. Mm-hmm. Working, in God's time. Working in God's time. Yeah, patience. Mm-hmm. Endurance. Endurance. <laughs> culturally mindful. Yep, culturally mindful, culturally sensitive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a great one. Teachable. Teachable. Mm-hmm. Intentional. Intentional. It's great. Humor. Humor. <laughs> yeah. I think that goes with the patience, too, you know. A learner, not a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Learner. That's great. Creative. Say that again. Creative. Okay. Creative. That's right. Yep. Confronting adversity. Yeah. Confronting adversity. Yep. Servant, very good. Need yeah, a servant's heart. Okay, well, all those are great, and all those are required as well. And, but what I, wanna, what I want to um, uh, talk about today is uh, spiritual growth, right? That this missionary lifestyle requires spiritual growth. And um, what I want to do is to propose that it requires practicing spiritual discipline, right? And spiritual disciplines, and uh, spiritual growth is an ongoing process that in the life of the Christ follower, it is something that we continually um, a, a desire for, but it's also something that we need to work at. And uh, people over the last 2,000 years have been responding to the gospel in this manner and growing in this manner. Uh, and the process of practicing spiritual Disciplines helps us on this path of what's called sanctification, right, to be more Christ-like uh, in our walk here on earth. And a good working definition of uh, spiritual disciplines are those activities that we do to help us practice being in the presence of God, right? Practice being in the presence of God. Paul in his letter to um, the Christians at Colossae wrote, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. There's a, uh, an author who uh, is Richard Foster, and in his, the beginning of his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he wrote these words, superficiality is the curse of our age. He went on, the doctrine of instant satisfaction is, a, is primarily a spiritual problem. The desperate need is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but rather deep people. And uh, these spiritual disciplines are not an end to themselves, right? Even though they're wonderful habits or practices, their purpose is to provide a means by which believers, Christ followers, can grow into mature disciples of our Lord Jesus. The Bible does not contain a list that spells out what these things are, right? Uh, but various writers through the ages have identified them. And uh, classified them. And one of the best known uh, is a book by Dallas Willard, uh, A Spirit of the uh, Disciplines. And in that book, in chapter 9, he lays out kind of what he believes are these disciplines that are good for us to practice. And I'm just going to share them with you. Uh, solitude. Silence. Bible study. Fasting financial stewardship journaling serving praying fellowship and confession now when you consider these things you can see how countercultural they are to the culture that we live in here in the United States right Our culture is in opposition. We're encouraged to live life in the fast lane. And uh, I live, my wife and I uh, live just outside of New York City. We live in Connecticut. And uh, it is life in the fast lane. And if you join in, uh, there will be no time for silence. There will be no time for solitude. There will be no time for Bible study, uh, journaling, all of these disciplines that have been worked on through Christ followers through the ages, get pushed aside because of the pace of lifestyle. And we need to be careful working in our culture that we don't just become overwhelmed by the speed of it, right? We're measured by our productivity and by our contributions, right? We're encouraged to take whatever we can for our own pleasure and for our own comfort. The spiritual disciplines are in opposite, uh, opposition to those things, right? To the things that our culture values. But these disciplines of the spiritual life, they call us to move beyond this superficial living and move into a, the, our, the depth of the relationship with our Lord. Right? That's the, pur- the purpose of them. To become spiritually mature people requires a level of discipline that will result in a lifestyle that recognizes and consistently responds to God's presence in our life. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Right? As Jesus told Peter, he said, Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And spiritual disciplines can strengthen us so that our response to God's presence will be more consistent we will see God standing with us in all that we do. Right? As we practice these things, we will, we will come to realize that we are in all times, in all ways, in God's presence. Right? These disciplines will help us understand that God's working. It's His grace that we've been given so that we can develop uh, these Uh, disciplines. And uh, when we're faithful to exercise them, uh, we can have confidence in the promise that God will meet us in the discipline, whether or not we emotionally feel it, right? We can have confidence that God will be sitting in the midst of our discipline, encouraging us, coming alongside of us. And one of the problems today is that many people make the mistake uh, of confusing uh, discipline and godliness. And uh, when you do that, it can lead to legalism and self-righteousness. So as you practice these spiritual uh, disciplines, you want to be careful. You don't allow that to happen. Um, discipline for the purpose of discipline in, in and of itself will not make you godly, right? It won't move you along through this process. It will most likely make you proud, right? Uh, and that's obviously not what God intends for us. Uh, Discipline is what's supposed to aim us in the direction of God. The disciplines of the Christian life are part of the means that God uses to grow us. And it requires daily sustained effort. It requires perseverance. To make it through boot camp takes perseverance, right? It's the people who shared with us, uh, it's tough, right? Every good soldier must do three things, right? Practice the basics, practice the basics, and practice the basics, basics, right? That's what it requires, going back to the basics, the basics of these spiritual disciplines that our Lord calls us to. And ultimately, God brings you to himself through this process, right? He works through your discipline, a discipline that gets you into his word, meditating on his word, and then praying for insights and wisdom in order to understand what he wants to reveal to you. The plan he has specifically for your life as a unique individual, right? The final step in this process is when we share his word and insights that we have and we begin to share them with others, right? And that is part of the missional lifestyle. It's a willingness to share your faith, right? So one is growing in your faith, and then as you grow, to share those things with others, right? And help them through this process of sanctification, of maturing, right? I want to focus in on one of those spiritual uh, disciplines in uh, uh, particular. And uh, specifically, uh, I want to focus in on financial stewardship because that really is the area where MedSEN uh, focuses its attention. And um, how many of you are aware, I don't need a show of hands, but are you aware that a mission Organization, a mission sending organization, will not send you onto the mission field if you have debt, debt of any kind, educational debt, mortgage debt, credit card debt, card debt. I mean, in today's world, there's so many fo- so many forms of debt, right? That uh, most of us have some form of debt. Who, who's got? Let me see. A show of hands. Just who has some form of debt right now? Right? Yeah. It's got to be 90 percent. of us, right, have some form of debt. And that debt can get in the way, right? As Christians, we are to see all of the resources that we have, including our very own minds, right? These things we're to see as owned by our Lord, right? All things are under the ownership and the authority of, of God. And he may allow us to possess some things, right? uh or to use them, but ultimately they all go back to being God's, right? They belong to God, and we are caretakers in the end. And that is everything that we have been blessed with. Right? So when you look at debt, what is what is debt? What is it what does it mean, right? It's a commitment to pay something in the future for the use of it money today, right? So it's a it's a future commitment. It's something that we step up to sometime into the future. And, um, uh, you know, if God has not provided you with the resources today, what basis do you believe that you'll have for borrowing against a future that does not ultimately belong to you? If you believe that everything is God's, finding contentment with what you've been blessed with at that time is the best way to organize your financial future right now there are some things in education we believe in educational debt quite frankly because it's very difficult in today's world to get through, to get especially some advanced education uh without debt right and uh but when you look at things like credit card debt or other forms of debt we want to strongly argue against those things right when you are considering your education if you feel strongly called into the mission field we want to propose that what you do is go to the least expensive school that you can find, right? Look at how much they're, they're charging because the education that you're going to receive here in the United States is going to be outstanding compared to anywhere else in the world, right? So if you go to a state school versus a private school, it can be a 50% difference between the two options. And yet the education that you're going to receive is going to be outstanding, Right? And you're going to be fully prepared to be able to step out into the mission field. So I want to encourage you to make a financial decision when you're making your educational choices, right? And go with the least expensive least expensive option. The world has invaded the church, right? That's, that's you and me. And um, we have been misled by the great deceiver. I want to argue that, right? And he has us believe that we can borrow without compromising ourselves, right? We can borrow money without compromising ourselves. And uh, I have uh, four daughters, and I know, my wife and I have four daughters, and I know that um, they are constantly, they're all living outside the house, but they're constantly sending uh, credit card Things you know, the, you you've been fully approved for hundred thousand dollars, you know, and, and they're making like ten grand, you know. I mean, you know, it's it, they're not uh, making all that much money, and I see these things come in the mail with you've been approved, and I'm sure you get them as well, right? It's like how in the world would you ever be able to pay back those things? And if you're not disciplined in at least your financial management, you can get yourself into trouble very quickly, and. Um, you know, we've been deceived that oh, it's okay. Go ahead and borrow. You know, you'll figure it out. It, it'll, it'll. You'll, there's gonna some, some way you're gonna figure it out uh, how to pay it back. But that's a deception, right? Because debt can be the one to influence how you're going to serve God, as opposed to God being the one who determines that. Your life can be managed by debt. And that's a terrible thing. And it's one of the reasons why MedSen is in existence, to help you handle your educational debt. Right? But you've got to be careful about the other forms of debt that you are going to be tempted with, right? You're going to want to put away and pay off credit cards just as quickly as you can. I want to encourage you to write a, um, a life mission statement. Has anybody done that? Has anybody done a life mission statement? All right. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can do this. Uh, Rick Warren and Saddleback Church out on the West Coast has put together something that's kind of easy and accessible and it's uh, called shape. And he looks specifically at the spiritual gifts, what your heart is, your ability, personality and experience. right. Uh, you can get this on the web, and he can help you kind of walk through it. There's some books that help you through it. Uh, there's other ways that you can do this. But ultimately, you want to put together something that is a life mission statement. In order to keep you focused, in order to keep you in the presence of the Lord as you're walking through life, taking a look at how you've been, been gifted through this, right? And um, what you, another way is to borrow only those things that you absolutely need, right? Those things that are essential in life, not to attain a lifestyle, right? And there's going to be all kinds of temptations around you to do that and to encourage you to live uh, the lifestyle of a healthcare professional in the United States today. And frankly, it's an opposition to the missionary lifestyle, right? They really are. They're in opposition to one another. You don't need the BMW now, right? You don't need the fancy new car now, right? This is where the life goals kind of play into. And some people will be committed to borrowing just as much as they possibly can. They're going to take advantage of those credit card uh, uh, enticements that come in the mail. And um, uh, if you are to be called a Christ follower, nevertheless a missionary, you are called to be all that God has created you individually to be, right? And it's not to be beholden to the things of this world, right? Learn to be disciplined about the use of money. Put a financial control plan or a budget in place. How many people have a budget? All right. Now, how many people have a budget that they stick to? <laughs> That's pretty good, you know. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to recommend that you not tithe or support missionaries with borrowed money. So if you're taking out loans, don't tithe on borrowed money. There's a time and a place for that, but not with borrowed money. Do not borrow for short-term mission trips. Don't use borrowed money to do that. use credit cards when they're absolutely necessary. Right? Missionaries the, the part of the missionary lifestyle uh, style is to use things up, to wear things out, to make things do, and to do without. Right? Missionaries are conservers, not consumers. And we live in the middle of a consumer-oriented culture. So if you're going to pursue the missionary lifestyle, if you're going to pursue the spiritual disciplines, you are going to be living in opposition to the culture within the United States. Right? If you don't feel like you're doing that today, I want to encourage you to find ways to live this lifestyle out. Now, uh, let me be more specific uh, about uh, MedSend, and I would like to leave a few minutes to answer some questions that uh, that you might have. Um, Does anyone have anything that they want to discuss or point and direct me? Yes. Um, I have a question that you mentioned with regards to debt, and specifically with regards to mortgages. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. They say it sounds spiritual, but if things happen with your parents or mm-hmm. your children yeah. or there's some reason you need a place to come back to. yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that our mortgage debt is going to disqualify us from going, yeah. and that seems problematic. Yeah, no, that is not the case, actually. Uh, it's It's really consumer debt, and the reason is as long as you can rent your home uh, and you, have, you can show that you have the means for uh, paying off the debt, uh, at least the monthly payment, you'll be able to go. It's really kind of personal stuff that might be a, a, a credit card debt because we do the same, if you will, uh, at MedSend. You still have your educational debt, but you now have a way of paying it down. So you can prove that it, you have a, a means and a method for paying it down. The same thing on your mortgage, Right? As long as you can rent it. But, the, the, you know, it's the um, inherent uh, heart issue of trying to live without debt. And, I mean, the two big ones in life now. I mean, mortgage has been for quite some time the big debt, uh, but now it's also becoming educational debt, becomes just as big as uh, many mortgages these days. Yeah. What else? Yes. Um, what do you recommend specifically about tithing and giving when you're just finished, like in my case, I've just finished medical school, I'm a resident now, so I have a salary. Mm-hmm. It's very low compared to my debt. But um, what do you recommend? I, I've been under the assumption that with that salary I tithe and give and also pay off my loans, but what do you think about No, I think you're on the right path, right? And that is part of the spiritual discipline, Uh, is is going ahead and and tithing and doing the right things with regards to financial management. You're not not doing it on borrowed uh, borrowed money, Uh, so I would strongly recommend it. And um, I don't know if you have credit card debt, but uh, I would certainly, if you do, I'd prioritize paying that off as quickly as possible uh, and trying to live within the income that you have. Yeah, so I think you're on the right path, doing the right things. Yes? Would you mind repeating that use things up, wear things out statement again? Oh, oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Is it uh, uh, Jack Johnson, is that the singer? I know uh, my kids really like him and uh, that he does that uh, recycle, reuse and there's a song that goes along with that. But but uh, missionaries use things up, wear things out, make things do, or do without. And uh, it's really, I'll just tell you kind of a humorous story. Uh, Dr. Dan Fountain is one of the, the founders of MedSend, and he was a... Uh, a missionary doc out in the bush. I mean he's an old style guy. He just passed away a year and a half ago and uh he was a mentor of mine and a real good friend and, and uh uh Dan and I were uh, kind of bunking together and one morning we got our breakfast and uh had some cereal, poured the milk in, we're sitting there across the table and uh all of a sudden I kind of reach in and you know I take a mouthful of cereal and the milk is sour. Right. So I jump up and I run to the kitchen and I spit it out, right? And I turn around and Dan is just eating the cereal. And I'm like shocked. I'm like, Isn't your milk bad? And he's like, Yes. But a missionary eats what they're served. (laughs) What's that say about me, you know? Yeah. And uh, that was the attitude. A missionary eats what they're served, including uh, it turned out to be buttermilk. By the way, it wasn't sour milk, but sure tasted like sour milk. So, Thank you. yes, you're welcome. What else? Yes. Um, my husband has been accepted to um, a medical school that's based in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we don't at this point. Um, so it's medicine's been around for 22 years now, and it's been um, really focused on uh, American universities, American debt, and really American citizens, to be honest. Uh, we have a pilot program right now. Uh, If you uh, are on the field or about to go into the field, what we're trying to do is come alongside of individuals, nationals, if you will, uh, and help them with their education. Uh, But um, uh, it's our nationals program uh, helping, at this point, MDs get through uh, their residency training where they're at in the continent where they're at. But that's a, a separate program that we're just getting underway. We haven't. Uh, uh, offered any assistance with education that's been done outside of the U.S. So, uh, sorry for that. Yes? Yeah, Uh, you mentioned that medical debt is one obstacle to entering commissions. Yeah. What are other obstacles that you see holding people back from going to the admissions? Yeah. Um, Family, (laughs) right? Family's a big one. Um, And it's probably one of the larger reasons why, one of the top five reasons why people leave the field, right? It's loved ones. Uh, It's concern for them. It's their concern for you. Um, uh, It's a lack of understanding of what what you're doing, right? So that would be uh, a major one. Um, One of the things that so with our board, uh, so to get to MedSend, the way it works is you, you know, get to a sending agency and then you uh, send a specific application to us Us and the MedSend board approves it. And the two biggest things, we, we approve you know, 90% of the applications that come our way. Uh, so it's very high. The approval rating is very high because you've kind of been pre-screened by a sending agency by the time you get to us. But the two areas where people are... Um, kind of not approved, that 10%. It's either really poor financial stewardship, right? You just haven't used the resources that you've been given. You've, you know, you've borrowed uh, for lifestyle purposes, uh, not for need. Uh, and the, um, the second one is either an unwillingness to share your faith. Uh, we want to see that you are willing to share your faith here. And if you don't have experience in doing that, uh, we're, you could get bounced back. So I would say that um, you, even though you're going over as professionals, as healthcare professionals, there's still we are using healthcare as an evangelistic tool, right? So this is not about just a works model. Right? where you're going over to heal people's body, but you all have the opportunity to not only heal people's body, but impact them for eternity through sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Right? So if you're not willing to do that, you're only going over. You've got one hand tied behind your back because the purpose of us coming alongside of you is we're counting on you to carry the message, the good news of Christ into a broken world. So if you're not willing to do that, uh, you may want to reconsider uh, your, your direction. And that would get in the way. Yes? Is there a way that you uh, advise setting up loan repayments when starting residency? Yes. Yep, we do. So um, I'm going to talk to just about two uh, government programs that are in place right now. And uh, One is uh, IBR, Income Based Repayment, uh, and the other one is Public Service Loan Forgiveness. Public Service Loan Forgiveness was put into place uh, by President Bush in the final days of his administration, and he did it in order to encourage people to be in public service. And if you are uh, working for a 501c3, a not-for-profit, which mission-sending organizations are, uh, and you have loans from Direct Loan Corp., it only applies if you have loans from Direct Loan Corp. Uh, And the way that it works is if you're working for a 501c3, a not-for-profit, after 10 years you will have loan forgiveness. So whatever your loan is, they'll pay it off. And I put it in the context of a question around residency because many uh, hospitals, in particular, places where you are likely to be doing your residency, right, many of them are non-for-profit hospitals. So the day you start residency, you can effectively uh, start to have this countdown of 10 years. So if you're with Direct Loan Corp., we strongly recommend that you join this program. And... Um, when the time comes for you to go on the mission field, we'll then pick up your, your payments for however many years is left over, right? But if you're on a, a, a three-, a four-, or five-year residency, uh, you can have that amount uh, of the 10 years already accounted for if you're in direct loan. Now, uh, the other program is the, uh, uh, the IBR, right, Income-Based Repayment. And uh, you want to be careful here. We do not give financial advice intentionally, uh, but uh, you just want to be careful because effectively what you're doing, uh, President Obama put this in place when he first came into office and effectively put it in place so that the student loan infrastructure wouldn't collapse because so many people were out of work, so many young people were getting out of school and they had no means of paying the loan back. So every loan that you will take uh, will be based, the payment will be based upon how much money you borrowed, what the interest rate is, and how much time that you're going to pay it back. Well, what the government came into place, uh, did with income-based repayment, is to say, forget about those rules. We don't really care how much you owe or how long it's going to take you to pay it off. What we care about is how much money you're making, and then we're going to base the monthly payment on how much money you're making. Right? So it's income-based repayment. And quite frankly, for missionaries, in many cases, your loan goes to zero. Right? It goes to zero. And um, uh, the way that it works is that uh, for the, all, no more than 10% of your principal will be accumulated in interest. So if you have a $100,000 debt... Uh, interest would stop accumulating at $10,000. Right? So it's 10%. But you could wind up coming back from, let's say, the mission field, having paid zero while you're out there, you left with 100000 you come back with $110,000 worth of debt. Right? Now, after 25 years, they will relieve, they, they give debt relief after 25 years. But you want to be really careful with this program. Um, oh, you know again we don't give financial information i mean uh, financial advice but uh it it can be a bit dangerous and one of the one of the problems is income based repayment is approved by congress each year so there's a budget hypothetically there's a budget put aside so that uh each year they're putting money for this program so if you were once you apply you're kind of grandfathered in but the um, ibr doesn't work that way they could change IBR at any given time, right? They could revert it back to, uh, you know, what a normal loan is, how much do you owe, how much time, and what the, uh, what the interest rate is. Uh, that could revert back at any time. So in the example I gave you, you could, be, you could wind up with $110,000 worth of debt and you've got to make these elevated payments. So there's no assurance that IBR will continue on into the future, and it's, a, it's kind of a scary scenario when you think it through. Yes? Uh, my family's actually raising support right now. Um, yeah. I still have student debt. Do I need to have, uh, do I need to have a group of three medicine? Or should I be planning, uh, as far as my financial support, how much I raise? should I be planning based on the, how much I'm paying to debt? Uh, yeah, you'll... Um Your sending agency can give you that guidance, uh, but I'll tell you from us, I would say that you should apply to us now. Typically, the sending agency, and I can't speak for them, we have 70 sending agencies that are our our partners. So, you know, the the policies are are all different. But uh, typically, they won't allow you to raise money in your support for debt payment. So uh, you'll need to apply to MedSend once you identify your sending agency. Right? And you want to give us uh, you know, nine months to a year is nice. I mean, sometimes you know, we can move faster, uh, but there have been times when the economic downturn occurred in '08 where it took us a while to raise the money. Uh, and so we were telling people we really needed you know, a year uh, out because money was tight. So give us nine months to a year uh, from when you think you're going to be going uh, to uh, bring your application to us, all right? Because it's a two-step process. One is you are approved, meaning we've looked at your application and, and we've said okay. And then the second step is we raise the money. Now sometimes, and right now is one of those periods where those two things happen simultaneous uh, because we've got many uh, very generous donors and uh, they've stepped up to it so that we can approve and fund uh, at the same time right now. But that's not always the case. And you know, our whole model is to get you, is to, you know, free you from this debt to get you onto the mission field as quickly as possible. So, uh, you know, if we don't have the time to raise the money, it kind of flies in the face of what we're all about and, you know, what, what we're trying to do for you. Yes? Uh, it is. Uh, there's some churches, there's some foundations uh, that support us. But primarily, it's, uh, it's individuals that are, are generous, you know, Christ followers. And they know, they know and believe the impact that you're going to have, right? The world desperately needs what you have to offer. I can't stress that enough. Uh, it is, um, uh, it's amazing, we, you know, we're, right now we're paying on about 165 loans at any given time. So people are sending us their, their letters and updates all the time. Uh, and it's amazing the way God uses health care providers to touch people, right? Um, and uh, between your professional skills and your love of our Lord, taking the good news to people that are in hurting situations, uh, when those two things come together, you literally see miracles. I mean, it's amazing the way God will work through your hands uh, and through your mind. Uh, it's, it's such a blessing uh, to see. Yeah? Do you give a general overview of like uh, fundraising and when that starts, if it starts like at your residency or if it starts after that or once you get to the sending agency? Or yeah. So your sending agency, um, let me just see a show of hands. Uh, do, uh, do you feel like you've, Fully, if you f- feel like you fully understand kind of the notion of a mission-sending agency, just raise your hand if you feel like you really understand that. Raise high because I want to say. Okay, so let me just back up a second and, and talk about a mission-sending agency. So, you know, over time, uh, when, when, when the process of sending missionaries first started, uh, churches sent missionaries, right? And uh, believe it or not, it's kind of an interesting thing, is that... Um, you know, 100, 125 years ago, uh, a church would come together, they would send a missionary, and they would send the individual with their coffin. Right? They would send them with their coffin, and symbolically stating that they were sending them off, and they didn't expect them to come back. And frankly, most of them did not. Right? Most of them were dead within six months. Believe it or not. Right, because their immune systems back then, you know, their immune systems would collapse in the midst of where they were. Right, they would catch some disease and they would die, Uh, or they would be mistreated, or they would get lost and starve to death. There was all kinds of things that don't happen today, but it was the church that sent. So, mission sending agencies came into being, right, to support the church, right, and they do the care and feeding of missionaries. So. There's three primary components, right? There's the evaluation component. Can this person really withstand the rigors? So uh, a mission sending organization, when you apply, they'll probably put you through some personality profiles. They will help you to understand your calling. They will spend some time on the front end saying, are you sure God's calling you, right? The second piece will be preparation, They will be preparing you to go on to the mission field. What can you expect when you're out there? Uh, They'll do language training for you. There's a whole series of things that they'll do for preparation. And then there's ongoing support once you're out there, right? pay your taxes, they'll put money aside for retirement, they'll make sure your health care is done, they'll have evacuation insurance for you, they'll have people who you can speak with if you, you, know, if you encounter hardship uh, on the field, there'll be individuals who will be responsible for caring for you. Uh, so that's the role of a sending agency. You go out and you raise uh, support, and I would say if you know for sure that you're going onto the mission field, you want to tell as many people as you possibly can. Uh, at whatever point you're at. So if you're in your residency, be telling people, when I finish up, I'm going on to the mission field because they will become your support base. And you know, one of the things that your sending agency will do for you is to give you some training in how to raise support, how to tell your story about where you're going and what you're going to be doing and asking people for money. Now let me tell you just a quick story because our model is to help you get to the field as quickly as possible. So one of the things that we looked at, we considered, should we help individuals who are healthcare professionals give them their support as well, pay their educational debt, and provide support? And we started to look at this, and I started to ask a bunch of questions of people, right? Is this a good idea? And believe it or not, the people who had already raised their support said it's not a good idea. And the reason is because God uses that process of raising money, of raising your support in such a way that they did. They said you don't want to give that up, right? So when you're starting at the beginning, it feels like it's overwhelming. But when you get to the end and you've seen God work through his people and his timing, you don't want to give that experience up. So as you're sitting here today, you might be thinking, gee, that's one of the things I don't want to do. I'm not looking forward to asking people for money and, and raising support and, you know, what a drag this is. I have to tell you that talk to a missionary, right? Talk to, what, talk to them about what happened during that time when they were raising that money because it is part of the process of preparation. It is part of your boot camp, right? I hope that uh, answered the question. Anything else? Yes. Part of it is uh, just talking about your plans, right? Making people aware. Uh, if you know where you're going, kind of in the country, use it on social media. You know, start to follow what's going on in the country, and then post, "This is what's happening out there," right? And what you're doing is you're starting to give people, you know, they typically they're your friends, your family, you know, your your uh, the people in your church uh, are the closest ones in for raising support. Although God opens up incredible doors in the process. But starting to give them a heart, not only for you, but for the people that you're going to go serve. So that's what I would say, you know, and and social media is such an easy way to do it, right? And there's so much going on in the world today. It's relatively easy to get information or access to information about the people that you're thinking of going to serve, where you think you're going to be called, either a nation or a people group. Of course, a nation, it's easier to get information about than uh, uh, a people group in, in many cases. But that's what I do, start talking it up, you know, just letting people know where your heart is. Yes, you had a question? Um, yeah, so I was wondering, the medical profession is one in which we're kind of constantly learning and growing. So yeah. right out of residency, we're nowhere near as good of a doctor as we'll be, you know, three years yeah. out of residency. Yeah. I was wondering if you have any experience with uh, people who do medicine who, say, come right out of residency and you enable them to go to the mission field versus people who have practiced for a couple of years, say at stateside or somewhere else, and then go, um, whether it's more effective to practice stateside for a couple of years first, mm-hmm. um, maybe pay down a couple of the, some of the debts so you guys have a little bit less to pay down. Um, do you have any, any idea whether those people end up being more effective on the yeah. mission field? Yeah. Uh, I would say that it's not really necessary uh, if you've been through residency. So if you are a nursing student, we do require two years of practical experience before you go. And the reason is because the need uh, is so great. Right for what you do, that you're going to get thrust into situations depending upon where you are in the world. You're liable to get thrust into situations uh, as a nurse that here would typically be in the hands of an MD. Uh, So that's going to happen very quickly. So you want to have a couple of years experience. With an MD, typically your uh, residency training prepares you enough for what you're going to find. And you'll, you know, you Generally are not by yourself, right? You're not alone. So you have other people around you. You have more experienced doctors. So yeah, you continue to practice. But here's the situation, in all honesty. What you're going to experience there is so different from what you're going to experience here that more experience of this, more Western experience doesn't do any good. Right? And, uh, you know, you're, you're going to live in an entirely different world. And what more of this you are way over prepared already to be honest with you you know for what you're going to face what you need more is and this is the preparation piece you, what you need is you need to be prepared for outcomes that are significantly different from here you need professionally spiritually emotionally that's where the preparation needs to come not so much your professional training because you're, you're, you know, you're, you, you've been through incredible training. You need to be prepared for an entirely different world and different outcomes. And you won't get it until you get there. Yes? I, am sorry, I heard. Uh, we can look at the situation, you know, everybody's situation is different, uh, but generally, I would say apply, you know, I mean, I, I can't give you a, it's not hard and fast. Yeah. You can talk to me later, you know, to come up and I'll try and help you with that, uh, the, the specifics of it. Yes. Um, part of it would be, uh, so the, the first place I go with that, right, is are your loved ones Christ followers, right? So, you know, that's not always the case where your family are are Christ followers, uh, in which case, if they're not Christ followers, they don't have any context for what you're doing, right? And that is that much more difficult, um, uh, if they are Christ followers, then what I would recommend is that you, you start to open, you know, try and help them to open up their worldview about the mission that Christ has asked us uh, to be on, right? This kind of global care, taking, taking the love, taking the good news of Christ to the world. And what the desperate need is. Um, I can tell you, uh, there, the... Um, the need for healthcare workers in the world is, uh, desperate, right? No matter what area of healthcare you're in, it's desperate. We just sent an OBGYN to a place, or we helped her to get there, to a place where there's two million women, and they have not had an OBGYN in 20 years. Think about that, right? Uh, my wife used to get all bent out of shape when our kids were young if if our pediatrician could not accept could not see our kids the same day that they were sick. Right? I'm aware of a place where there are three pediatricians for four million children. Right? There are countries that have 40 million people and 90 surgeons. Right? So. And the reason I bring all that up is help them to understand both the calling that Christ puts on our lives as his followers and the desperate need of the world, right? It's not just the spiritual need when you're a health care provider. Ultimately, we want to deal with the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of the spirit and reunite it back to God through the love of Christ, right? But you also have this incredible opportunity to heal people's bodies right so help them to see that i mean if they're christ followers it becomes easier it, at least you have some context for the calling that christ puts on our life right uh, are we over <laughs> five, more five more minutes okay any other questions So so uh, military is a great option. Uh, it's uh, available to you, and I feel great about what they what they do. Uh, it's a you know it's a commitment of time. You can't practice your faith. You know you you have the opportunity to continue to heal. Uh, but you know being intentional about you know being a missionary uh, puts you back a, a few years. But I see it as a a very um, uh, viable option. You know. Uh, No issue. And the other option that I haven't mentioned is that the federal government also has a program that if you go and and are willing to serve in rural areas in the United States, right, there are areas uh, in the U.S. that are considered uh, zones where there isn't enough healthcare professionals, and you can join this program and they will also pay down uh, your debt, right? And that's a very viable option. Yes, sir. yeah and, and uh I am uh besides being the President of Medicine, I'm also a pastor. Right? I'm a pastor of a small church in Connecticut, and I'm in a mission field, and you are in a mission field, wherever you're at. don't don't get me wrong. we are all in a mission field. We're Christ followers, right? We are missionaries, no matter where we're at, we're called to, to be the hands and feet of Christ, right? As his followers. So we are all in the mission field. And I don't want to, you know, I can see where, I, with what I said, but uh, the bottom line is that wherever we are, we should be proclaiming the good news. Yes? Now, one advantage of the military for people that want to go abroad is if you're a surgeon or you're a surgical nurse and you're willing to be deployed, yeah. you get first rate trauma and surgical training. Absolutely. Very in That's right. Absolutely, because you you really do learn how to do it with less, right? And do it on the spot, and it's uh, it's 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 great training. It's very viable. I mean, you know, we recommend it. All right. Well, God bless you, and uh, let me uh, let me just pray for you if, uh, before we break up, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you allow us, <laughs> uh, broken people that we are. Uh, sinful people that we are, to participate in your plan to redeem this world. Lord, so we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place up, that it would fill our hearts uh, in such a way that we could practice these spiritual disciplines that we talked about in such a way that we would be in your presence at all time, that we would know what it is to truly be a Christ follower walking with our Father uh, every minute of the day. So, Lord, give us the strength to do that. Give us the strength to surrender. (laughs) Uh, The way that you've made this upside-down world that we live in, the brokenness of it, it requires strength to surrender, Lord. So we just ask as we, uh, each one of us individually, uh, seek after the plan that you have, uh, that we would surrender to you in such a way that we could truly be your followers. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen.